0: Ah, all I want for Christmas this morning is joy. Everybody say joy. Joy Joy is a great thing. I love joy. I love joy. You know, um, the scripture tells us, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I will bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people, Luke 2.10. You know, when I started looking into this whole thing, I thought, you know, talking about... uh, Hope, peace, joy, and love for Christmas. You know, I thought, well, the, the Christmas narrative is going to be filled with all of these different words over and over again. But you know what I found was that, um, interestingly enough, interestingly enough, actually Mark and John don't really talk about the birth story at all. Only Matthew and Luke do, right? So you're, you're already down to 50% when you start looking through it. And then I realized that only Luke uses the word joy in connection to the Christmas story, Matthew does not. I thought, hmm, okay, now I'm a little surprised. Then I realized that actually the only place where joy is directly used in the Christmas narrative is in that verse in Luke 2 and 10. It doesn't appear in Matthew, Mark, or John, and it does not, and it appears only four times in Luke, but that's the only direct passage with Jesus. But I do want to look at the other three times as well this morning, real quickly, because they're kind of connected to the story, and uh, they're part of the, the story, the, what, it, what we call the background to the story, all right? And uh, so let's look at the first one this morning, really quickly. Uh, Luke 1, verse 14, it says, He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. Does anybody know what that's a reference to? That's a reference to the birth of John the Baptist, right? Uh, the angel of the Lord, we know the story, appeared to Zechariah uh, when he was serving as a priest of God in the temple in Jerusalem. And while he was in ministering, the angel appeared to him and told him that his prayers had been answered and that he and Elizabeth... Even though long advanced in the years, we're finally going to have a child. They were going to have a son, and they were to name him John. All right? You guys remember that part of the story? And, uh, you know, uh, Zechariah, being like a guy, goes, uh, How's that going to happen? I mean, me, me and Elizabeth we're, were wonderful people, but we're way past those years. You know what I'm saying? And uh, the angel basically says, and listen, because you doubted, right? This thing will happen, but because you doubted, you're not going to be able to speak until the child is born. And so when he leaves the presence of the angel and he goes out uh, from serving in the temple, he's not able to speak. And he's, I don't know if he's waving his arms or whatever he's got to do, but he's not able to speak because he doubted and the angel of the Lord's word comes true. All right. Is everybody following the story? Regardless of his doubt, I'm sure though that Zachariah and Elizabeth, when they discovered that she was indeed pregnant, uh, rejoiced in the Lord, and uh, that he was a, a joy to them. Amen? And just as the Scripture promised that he would be a joy to them. Now, the Bible goes on and tells us that when Elizabeth was in her sixth month, she was visited by Mary, who just had her own uh, encounter with the angel of the Lord. And the angel visited her and had told her that she was going to conceive by the Holy Spirit and that she was going to bear a child and that he would be the savior of the world. You guys remember that, of course. That's the, we'd say, yeah, that's the Christmas story. But when Elizabeth was in her sixth month, Mary went to visit her. They were cousins. So she decided to go and to visit uh, Elizabeth. And then we get the next occurrence of the word joy uh, in the story. And uh, what happens is Mary shows up, and as soon as she approaches Elizabeth, remember, John is in her room. He's six, he's six months along. Now, in in the pregnancy, and it says, As soon as the sound of Mary's greeting reached my ears, Elizabeth says, the baby inside my womb leaped for joy. So as soon as as Mary, who's just newly conceived by the Holy Spirit, approaches Elizabeth, the Bible tells us that, that John the Baptist, in her womb, leaped for joy when Mary showed up carrying the Savior. That is absolutely awesome. You want a great pro-life verse? There it is, right there. Amen? That the, that the baby in her womb will leap for joy over another baby in the womb of Mary. Amen? And the one in the womb of Mary was, was in like early, early first trimester. And she comes and visits, and this is what we see in the story. And if you read the rest of it, uh, then Elizabeth opens up her, her mouth, and she begins to speak, and there's some really cool things happen. And uh, it is an awesome time. All right? And uh, now, the next reference, the next reference, it says in Luke 1, 57, 58, when it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her what? Her joy. So now you've got to picture it. You know, Zechariah has not been able to speak for nine months, all right? The guy has been been mute. He's not been able to talk for six months. I mean, nine months. Not been able to talk. And so now the day of the birth comes. Do you think the people in the town knew something was up when Zachariah was not able to talk? Do you think maybe they knew something else? And then when they, after, you know, the Bible says that when she made herself public, basically for the first number of months of the pregnancy, I think one of the reasons that it was cultural to, to stay hidden during that pregnancy was because the infant mortality rate was so high. And so people didn't really demonstrate the fact that they were pregnant, and then when the baby was born, everybody was able to rejoice because we had a safe arrival. But in Elizabeth's case, you know, the neighbors saw that she was pregnant, the neighbors knew something was going on with John, they had a promise from the Lord, and when the baby was born, the Bible says the whole community, all their neighbors and relatives, they all rejoiced, they were all filled with joy, they shared their joy. That's an awesome part of the story as well, amen? They shared her joy, and uh, and I think that uh, you know when you look at the story, and you realize something supernatural was taking place, that that supernatural event provoked the celebration of joy. Praise the Lord! Now, like I said, this is all part of the backstory. It leads up to the birth of Jesus. Now, Jesus' actual birth is kind of really a low key event by comparison. You know, Joseph. Uh, was able to say, okay, Lord, be it as you say. Mary was just able to say, here I am, I'm your servant, be it as unto me as, you, as you've declared, right? There was no, I mean, I'm sure Joseph had doubts until he got his own personal appearance. He probably thought, what? <laughs> I mean, when Mary told him, and the Bible even says he had it in his mind to put her away quietly. In other words, to, to, he was considered to be essentially married. He was they were betrothed, and he, he was going to, Call it all off quietly, the Bible says, until he had his own visitation, and their angel confirmed Mary's story. Because how many knows that, you know if, if your wife came and said, I'm pregnant, and you're like, wait a minute, it wasn't me, all right? Hello? Because, uh, you know, 2,000 years ago, they knew how babies are made just as easily as we do, okay? It isn't like they were confused about how it happened. They knew how it happened. And so what happened is they knew that uh, Joseph knew that she couldn't be pregnant unless she had been with a man. And that's why the Bible says he was going to call it all off. He did have the right to even have her stoned according to Judea law, but instead he was going to be, he was a generous, he was a merciful man. He was just going to call the whole thing off quietly. But then the Lord visited him and said, no, what Mary told you it's the truth. It's the truth. And so Joseph said, okay. And he took her as his wife. And then The low-key event took place. They they made their trek. Uh, There was a census called, and uh, they had to return back to Bethlehem, where Joseph was born, for the census. And uh, we know the story. The town was full when they returned uh, to to be registered. Joseph and Mary were likely part of a caravan that traveled from Nazareth to uh, Bethlehem for the census, because it was dangerous to travel alone. So all these pictures you have of uh, you know her on a on a donkey and and Joseph traveling at night with a silhouette, you know, by themselves. Probably not true. They would have traveled in a caravan of people. However, as they got near Bethlehem, the rest of the caravan would have said bye bye and they would have abandoned them for the last stretch and said, look, we're going to go take care of business for ourselves first, make sure we got a place to stay, make sure everything is good for us. And they would have been the last to arrive because she was like literally great with child. And so uh, as they made their trek into Bethlehem, you know, and Joseph starts to look around. The relatives' homes are full. Everything, everybody place is full. Uh, you remember last year I told you that the word in is actually the word house. And so where they probably stayed was ended up being a relative's home, but they had to sleep on the main floor, and that the animals basically were in the house with you. They were on one side of the manger, and you were on the other. So they probably slept on the floor, and then she took the baby and put the baby in the com- most comfortable place around, which was the manger. Now that's probably... A, more historically accurate rendering of what happened. But you can have all those beautiful pictures in your mind of Mary and Joseph uh, trekking by themselves. Uh, What you do need to know is that it was probably an 8- to 10-day journey. It's about 150 kilometers from Nazareth to Bethlehem. This is not a short trek. And they were doing it on foot. They were doing it on foot. This is not uh, a quick trip. This is, you know, I mean, we're talking 20, 30K a day walking and you're nine months pregnant. How many women would like to have done that? Oh, you moms, think back to when you were nine months. Would you want to walk that kind of trek in a day? Would you want to ride a mule for that long for a day? I don't think so. You're like, I wouldn't even want to be in a car for that much in a day. Do you know what I'm saying? And yet that is the trek that they made. Pretty low-key story. Jesus is born. They put him uh, in a manger. But then it gets a bit of an uptick. As the angels of the Lord appear and uh, to the shepherds who are nearby. And then we get that verse. The angel of the Lord said to them, Do not be afraid. I'll bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And uh, this is really the, the joy verse that we build all of our Christmas songs and everything else. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. I mean, it, this is the reference. The joy verse in the new testament this is the one and this is uh, really the only direct place where the word is used in the birth story and the angels went on to say when they spoke to the shepherds today in the town of david a savior has been born to you he is christ the lord and this will be a sign to you you will find the baby wrapped in swaddling cloth and lying in a manger it's a pronouncement that was followed by an incredible grand spectacle a multitude of heavenly hosts joining the angel and singing, and singing. It says, suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared to the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace uh, to men on whom his favor rests. That is one of the most amazing, triumphant pictures ever. They went from being really super low-key to being wow. And what I find interesting about the story is the wow was, was not presented to kings and kings. And, and, uh, the wealthy or whatever, the wow was presented to the shepherds. The wow was, was to, you know, what I think is interesting is it even says that it shall, this joy shall be to all, all men, all mankind. You see, Jesus didn't just, he was a king, but he didn't just come for the royalty or for the wealthy. He came for everybody. He is the, the savior of all. And that's what's really tied right in with the whole message of joy is that Jesus is the Savior of all. No matter where you're at in life, Jesus came for you. No matter what your situation, Jesus came for you. No matter what you've done, Jesus came for you. No matter how bad you smell, and how many know shepherds would not have smelled very good, Jesus came for you. Are you hearing me this morning? Jesus came for you. And that's why we're filled with joy in this season. Jesus came for us. We sing joy to the world because Jesus' arrival is the greatest joy in human history. There is no greater joy than the fact that the Savior has come. And that's why Christians should be joyful people. Uh, You know, one of the things that is an oxymoron, does everybody know what an oxymoron is? It's a miserable Christian. It's an oxymoron. Miserable Christians. You're, you're the worst kind of advertising on the planet. Well, I can't help it. Yes, you can. You and you alone can help it. You don't need to be miserable. You just don't need to be miserable. Well, you don't know what happened to me today. Well, you don't know what happened to me today either. But you don't have to be miserable about it. You get to choose. Now, we've got grace for each other. So when major events that are hard to handle happen, you know, the Uh, you get some bad medical news or the loss of a loved one. We understand we have grace for each other. But general everyday life, we have joy. We have joy. And no more joyous season is there than Christmas. Christmas. I think one of the reasons that the world has co-opted Christmas and turned it into Santa Claus and all kinds of other things is because the joy that's supposed to be in the season was not being radiated enough by the believers. We weren't living as large as we should have been living. Hello? If we live large, then the world sees that Christmas is large, and they don't have to add anything to it. Right. Are you hearing me this morning? But, you know, we end up living very small, and so the world makes up their own understandings of it. Hello? Hello? Uh, one more thing I wanted to share with you this morning. A joyless, everybody say joyless. joyless, Christmas is by definition a Christless Christmas. For if Jesus is the center of the celebration, it must be one of joy. If you're having a joyless Christmas, then you've, somehow you've removed Jesus from it. You've removed Jesus from it, it's become Christless. Put him back in it, and the joy will get back in it. Are you hearing me? So, if if you're not miserable, look, if you're miserable at Christmas time, ask yourself, why am I miserable? Well, it's probably because you're so busy making Christmas about things that it's not. Get yourself back on track, put your focus back on Jesus, and guess what? The joy will be able to come back into the holiday for you, because it should not be a miserable time. Hello? Hello? Well, Pastor, you're just talking to the choir. We're also full of joy. I have not been miserable one time this, this Christmas. Baloney. I left Ryan and Derek's places out in Tynanaga there where they're building. And they're way out on Harmony Road, uh, out uh, on the other side of Shannonville Road. And it's a bit of a drive. But I was able to make it from their place all the way, all the way to the intersection where the Swiss LA is and you know, over the bridge, 15 minutes right? I was going to Home Depot. It took me another nine minutes to get from there to the Home Depot. And, uh, and, and, and I, I started to sit to myself. Can you believe this? But then I stopped and I went, I had UCB on it helped. Uh, and I stopped and I went, wait a minute. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. And I just sat and sang along with whatever was on the radio. You know, uh, I love all the Christmas music and everything else and had fun, went in, smiled everybody, got back in the car, went back. And, uh, you know, no problem. Why? Because joy was able to interfere with my focus on the negativity. And joy is able to interfere. It's able to get in there. It's able because joy is more than a feeling. It's more than a sensation. It's a person. It's Jesus, the joy of the nations. Amen? And when we let Jesus come into any situation, even waiting in traffic in North Front, and if you haven't got your Christmas shopping done yet, grace be unto you. (laughs) You are in for a treat uh, getting through there. You know, it used to be that people understood this, and they tried to find creative ways to communicate this, and it seems to me that they, in the past, were pretty good at it, and they understood that it wasn't a celebration of greed and commercialism, and they even tried to war against it in all kinds of things, even from, uh, you know, from people from Charles Schultz to Dr. Seuss. They got it. Do you remember the Peanuts cartoon, A uh, Peanuts Christmas uh, Linus basically opens up the Bible and he reads the story from Luke uh, to Charlie Brown and says then at the end he says that's what Christmas is all about Charlie Brown right you guys remember that yeah. when Christmas cartoons had something to do with Christmas and then there's even my favorite one of course the the immortal uh, the Grinch who stole Christmas and I wanted to help you out with it this morning in case you've forgotten it so I'll read the text a little small let me read it for you but but we're going, to do a little, we're going to pick up the story after he's stolen all the kids' stuff and everything else, and he's, he's about to dump it. And it says, 3,000 feet up, up the side of Mount Crumpet. He rode with his load to the tip-top to dump it. Poo-poo to the woos, he was grinchously humming. They're finding out now that no Christmas is coming. They're just waking up. I know just what they'll do. Their mouths will hang open a minute or two. Then the whoos down in Whoville will all cry, boo-hoo. That is the noise, the Grinch, uh, grinned the Grinch, that I simply must hear. So he paused, and the Grinch put his hand to his ear. And he did hear a sound rising over the snow. It started out low, then it started to grow. But the sound wasn't sad. Why, this sound sounded merry. It couldn't be so, but it was merry, very. He stared down at Whoville. The Grinch popped his eyes, then he shook. What he saw was a shocking surprise. Every who down in Whoville, the tall and the small, was singing without any presents at all. He hadn't stopped Christmas from coming. It came, somehow or other, it came just the same. And the Grinch, with his Grinch feet, ice cold in the snow, stood puzzling and puzzling. How could it be so? It came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without packages, boxes, or bags. And he puzzled three hours. It only took the Grinch three hours, I want you to notice, okay? He puzzled three hours till his puzzler was sore. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. And what happened then? Well, in Whoville, they say, that the Grinch's small heart grew three sizes that day. And the minute his heart didn't feel quite so tight, he whizzed with his load through the bright morning light, and he brought back the toys and the food and the feast, and he, he himself, the Grinch, carved the roast beast. The end. Amen? Amen? See, it just takes Dr. Seuss to get applause in church. You know... Jesus came to bring us joy. And in his wonderful way, Dr. Seuss, I think, was trying to communicate that this is really what Christmas is all about. Dr. Uh, Schultz, who wrote The Peanuts, was a little, little more direct, but they're both trying to tell us something. Christmas isn't about all the, 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 the store-bought gifts and all the things that we make it about. It's about something more. And the reason joy is in it for us is because we've met the Prince of Peace the joy of the nations, and his name is Jesus. And Jesus changes everything. Isn't that what Faith Hill taught us in that song? A baby changes everything. It changes everything for us, it changes everything for how we communicate, how we live, and, and how we speak to the people that we meet every day in our lives. We get a, a, an opportunity every year at Christmas time to witness for Jesus by just being people of joy. Because there's a lot of them that don't understand this. They've never read the Grinch. They don't, they've never maybe seen the Peanuts Christmas and they don't know they don't go to church and they don't know what Christmas is all about and for them all they see is all the commercialism, all the trappings and they're run off their feet and they're trying to meet children's expectations which are marketed to so heavily every day and the kid, we were listening to the radio yesterday about a guy, you know, saying you know, he figured out his kids liked uh, Paw Patrol so he he got Paw Patrol stuff. He goes, and then a week before Christmas, they're into something else. And he's like, no, you like Paw Patrol. You like Paw Patrol, right? Let's put some Paw Patrol on TV because he's got a whole mess of Paw Patrol underneath the Christmas tree. And the stress that you experience because it's all about that stuff and the world's making it about that stuff. But if we can remember that it's about Jesus and the joy that he brings, we go out in there and we help. Everywhere we go, we change the environment and we help people in the Christmas season. We help them. We help them experience the joy that is there. Jesus has come. The Bible says that you might have joy and have it what? More abundantly. All I want for Christmas this year is that you might have joy. As the hymn writer said, joy unspeakable and full of glory that the half has never yet been told. That's my desire for you. Let me just conclude with this this morning. Joy is our gift. It's the gift we've received. It's the gift we can give. It's our gift, right? How many realize it's a gift? You don't have to work for it. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to jump through hoops for it. Jesus says, freely I give unto you. Now freely give, right? So you've received freely. Now give it away freely. Does everybody follow me so far? Joy is our gift. Joy is also your right. Right? You have the right to be joyful. Why? Because Jesus paid for that right with his blood. You have the right to be joyful. You can take a hold of it. You have the right. You have the full authority to be filled with joy. You do not have to be miserable. You have a right to be joyful. And you can say, no, Satan. I have the right to be joyful. And I will be joyful. Put that in your sock and smoke it, Satan because... I have the right to be joyful. Are you hearing me this morning? So it's a gift from God. It's also your God-given right to be joyful. But here's one more thing I want you to ponder this morning. It is also, it is also, I think I just wrecked my first finger when I banged it on the table. It is also your responsibility. Joy is our responsibility. It's a gift. It's a right. It's yours by right but it's also now a responsibility. It's a responsibility. Jesus, if he would say anything to us this morning, it would be, look what I've given you. I've given you a gift. I've given you an incredible right and access to something. Now responsibly take it and give it away. But, 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 you know, my coworkers, don't worry about it. Not important. Well, yes, it is important. they got bigger bonuses than me. Oh, well. Praise the Lord. Are you hearing me? Is life not more than bonuses and gifts and wrapping and tags? Right? But the person cut me off in traffic. More of them will the closer you get to Christmas. In one day, I had two people clip my car. Actually, one was the night before and the one was the next day. Yeah, Got a nice permanent paint streaks right down the side of my car. Merry Christmas. As I said last week, just a car. Right? That's why I don't own a 2016 for 17 Ferrari. <clears throat> it might get a little bit more hold of my heart than my escape has, and someone would scratch it, and I might feel a little bit more offended by that. But when I came out and it was scratched, I'll go, "Man, eh. Right? Why? Because, it's just a car, doesn't have a big hold in my heart. Hello? It's your responsibility to be joyful. In everything. In what? Everything. everything. Give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Amen. Stand together this morning. It's, it's sometimes hard for us to realize that we get to choose. We get to choose our, our mood. We do. It's one of the great choices that we get, we've been given as free will beings. We have the right to choose our attitude. Every single day, you have the right to choose. Every moment of every day, you have the right to choose. And I want to encourage you this morning. You've been given a gift. It's called joy. You've been given a biblical right in joy. Now, make it your responsibility to choose that joy every single day. Please don't be grouchy, Christian. If you are, don't tell them you go to Desert Stream. (laughs) Yeah, if if you're going to be miserable, don't mention this place. You know, just... Gloss right over that. Leave it out of your testimony, all right? But if you're filled with joy, then tell them all about it because we want them here to experience the same joy. Amen? Invite somebody out. Bring them out for Christmas Eve. Bring them out next week. Let them them see our kids having a great time. It's going to be awesome. Uh, Let them know that it's Tacky Christmas Sweater next week. Barry came prepared this morning. He had an awesome one on this morning. And I said, and He goes, where, where is Where's your sweater? And I said, That's next week. What? <laughs> so, so he had to go home and change uh, so as not to blow his opportunity to win by divulging it a week early. But you know, the reality is next week's going to be fun. going to be a lot of laughter, a lot of celebration, a lot of cuteness on display. How many know the children are incredibly cute? there'll be a lot of cuteness on display, all of that stuff. It's all good. It's all part of Christmas, and we're going to come and celebrate. But between now and next Sunday, what are you going to choose? Joy. Every single day, you're going to choose to be joy. And if you left your Christmas shop until the last minute, and you're up in that traffic this week, choose joy. All right? what I recommend is that you have a coffee with you in the car. It always helps to pass the time if you can sip on your favorite beverage while you're going to wherever you're going. Are you hearing me? It's going to take a long time. The closer you leave it, the more time it takes. Unless you do it at about five o'clock on Christmas Eve. The traffic's mostly gone then. So if you want to wait until then, that works too. But that's basically what you're facing. Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you for this amazing morning. We thank you that the joy of the Lord is our strength. We thank you that, Lord, you are the joy of nations, and you've come, and you've, uh, Father, been part of our lives right from the day that, God, you you came in that manger. And, Father, we thank you that, that we have the incredible gift of Jesus this Christmas. And, Father, that we are able to live out the joy of Christmas every day. And, Father, we thank you that, Lord, we have a responsibility to carry that And we do it with joy in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have an amazing week.